Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Our guest today is digital health transformation expert, Julius Bogdan. He is vice president and general manager of the digital health advisory team for North America at the Health Information and Management System Society, also known as HIMSS. In his role there, Julius is responsible for the growth of HIMSS analytics portfolio adoption, revenue growth, and channel strategy, while cultivating relationships across the provider, payer, and public sector health landscape. Before this, Julia served as head of data services, analytics, and data innovation for SLC Health, a multi-hospital health system serving Colorado and Montana. Julia started his career at Microsoft, where he spent 16 years immersed in leading high-performance teams, building innovative solutions, and expanding the boundaries of what can be achieved across several industries. He also advises several startups and early-stage companies in healthcare and finance on technology trends, architecture, market analysis, and go-to market strategies. Julius earned his MBA in finance from Indiana University's Kelly School of Business and received a master's in global management and international management from the Thunderbird School of Global Management in Phoenix. He also graduated from the University of Kentucky with a bachelor's degree in computer science. He is a member of the American College of Healthcare Executives. He is also a Lean Six Sigma Green Belt and a certified project management professional. Julius, with that introduction, welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me on today. All right. You are ideally qualified to talk about today's topic. Uh, We're talking about the growing use of artificial intelligence to improve care management Quicken Diagnoses, and Streamline Clinician Workflow. It is a fascinating area and one you provided expertise on in the Healthcare Executive Magazine feature story, True Intelligence, Where AI is Working Today, which appears in the September-October issue. So let's get right into it. Uh, Diagnostic imaging, population health management, and remote patient monitoring applications are just some of the few. So where else are you seeing AI? Where else do you expect it to emerge in the short term? Yeah, so there are lots of different applications that are starting to emerge uh, for AI. Three kind of areas that I'm seeing emerge right now are not necessarily specific to just provider space. So, for example, a lot of organizations and uh, even in the consumer market uh, are clamoring for you know more health and wellness uh, type of support throughout multiple industries, uh, and we're seeing a proliferation of health tracking and wellness applications. I mean, there's been an explosion in health and wellness programs across the corporate landscape, in healthcare, consumer demand uh, forum. And so we're seeing a lot of these coming to market. A lot of them have some solid research behind them, you know, really designed to improve people's health and wellness. You know, one of the statistics that I, I used to quote was that you know two thirds of a patient's or a person's health and wellness is derived outside of you know our healthcare system, right? And so, how do we address that from a consumer or from a patient perspective? And these uh, app, you know health and wellness apps are are you know trying to help fill that void. At the very least, what they're doing is helping you know guide, answer some you know kind of basic questions, and route patients or people to um, the appropriate resources to help with you know their mental health, uh, to help with their nutrition, to help with their uh, exercise and fitness goals, so on and so forth. 
So that's one big area that, you know, uh, has emerged, uh, you know, started to prior to the pandemic and, you know, through the pandemic, uh, you know, we're seeing an increase in that. Another area that we're seeing emerge is uh, health inequity, right? Or health equity. Advancing health equity needs a multifaceted approach uh, that really, you know, relies on data analytics and AI. That's really, you know, the the, the crux of how to uh, help uh, understand and achieve uh, better health equity. Right? You have to start with understanding the inequities and disparities that exist today, which involves a lot of aggregating, mapping, transforming, and understanding disparate data sets to get to those insights. And, you know, that's where AI can really come into the picture to help identify, you know, the why, the, the drivers of those um, inequities and uh, disparities and, and, you know, help kind of create a path on how to solve those. Uh, the, the challenge lies in, you know, the deeper understanding of the data, right, uh, at this point. That's, you know, the first step. And, and AI really can help uh, do that. If you don't understand where you are, you know, with your data, with where you are with these health disparities, overlaying AI on top of what you're already doing can help, uh, can actually uh, be detrimental in amplifying those inequities and disparities. And we'll talk about that later on. Uh, and then the third uh, area that uh, we're seeing, again, out of necessity, especially to help with the current challenges that we have around turnover and burnout is better workforce management, right? This is everything from, you know, patient scheduling, smarter patient scheduling, utilization management, prioritization, you know, et cetera. AI can help healthcare organizations more effectively use the resources that they have, manage burnout, improve communications, both internally and with patients, reduce medical errors, and prioritize work on a coordinated level that previously was not possible. And, you know, again, AI is kind of at the heart of that. So those are kind of the three areas that I, I see in addition to what I mentioned in the article that uh, are emerging and are, are starting, to be, starting to be implemented now. Yeah. And as, as AI develops and evolves, and we are, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, some of the growing pains, some of the limitations, and you just started talking about some of the benefits that organizations are seeing, like, like burnout management. What are some of those other things that, that organizations who are implementing it um, are really seeing as benefits? Yeah, so, uh, you know, it kind of gets back to the crux of the sweet spot for AI today. And those uh, three, again, distilled down to three areas are you know, population health management, the ability to aggregate and analyze data to proactively identify and prevent risk, close preventative care gaps uh, on the ambulatory side uh, in conjunction with the, the acute side, better understand how clinical genetic behavioral and environmental variables impact the population. That's really kind of where one of the sweet spots for AI today is. Organizations can provide more personalized, data-driven care while optimizing their resources and utilization, uh, ultimately driving better patient outcomes, right? So that, that's kind of, you know, uh, a great place to start. On the operational side, better performance and operational efficiency. AI can improve throughput and effective, efficient use of resources, whether they be staff or facilities, by prioritizing you know, services uh, based on patient acuity, uh, resource availability. It can improve for your provider organization's revenue cycle performance by automating and optimizing workflows. 
the things you know that are kind of manual processes that are uh, it, it, it take a lot of time. Things like uh, prior authorization claims and denials, forecasting you know what that um, hit is going to be to your finances, automating routine and repeatable tasks, which there's a lot of on the recycle side of of uh, the leg- of the um, equation for hospital systems, and allowing HR to manage and deploy resources where they're needed most uh, and plan for that, right? Predict where those are going to be and plan for them. So better operational perf- uh, performance and efficiency. And then clinical decision support. I mean, AI is primed for being able to detect patterns within data much faster and much more efficiently than, than uh, clinicians or people can. So in terms of clinical decision support, they can help identify risk exponentially faster um, and much more accurately uh, than traditional workflows. And if done correctly, and that's you know part of the challenge, it can automate inefficient manual processes and analyze the data in flight, giving clinicians uh, tools at their disposal to help diagnose, to help reduce errors, to help improve patient outcomes near real time. So it's a clinical decision augmentation tool, right? Uh, it's not replacing physicians, but it's giving them new insights that they would have either had to rely on manual processes or uh, external data, adding time and resources that a physician could be leveraging to, uh, or a clinician could be leveraging to actually provide patient care. It's providing that groundwork for them to work closer to the top of their license, right? So those are the kind of three areas that I see today, the benefits that organizations are getting from AI. Okay, I'm going to have you expand a little bit because you were mentioned, you were talking about outcomes there, but talk a little bit how the use of AI would change clinicians' interactions with patients. Okay, <clears throat> so uh, clinicians' interactions with patients traditionally and in, in today are kind of limited to the patient visit, right? Uh, whether that's virtual or whether that's in person. Um, and then, you know, if hospitals and most hospitals uh, today have implemented some form of patient portal, maybe they've implemented a email communication channel with their physician. But th- again, that, that's kind of more advanced uh, if you, uh, you want to uh, put it in today's terms. I think there's a, a robust opportunity for AI to help improve communication uh, not just between physician and patient, but system and patient, patient and, and physician, and, and so on and so forth. Chatbots have been utilized in other industries for customer service, you know, uh, kind of across the continuum, so to speak. And I think there is a place, and a, a lot of health systems are starting to implement those for rudimentary uh, questions. You know, but imagine if you can integrate that with a, clinic, a clinical decision support system that can provide insights into the patient's care. So you, you've gone through a procedure, you've been discharged, you get a packet of information upon discharge. You have questions about that, right? You have, you know, what do I do next? Or what am I supposed to do in conjunction with this, right? Um, some of it's outlined in the, in the literature sent home with you in a printed packet, what if you had a guide to help where you can, you know, ask questions and they can route you to the right people or provide some answers? That's what chatbots, I think, can be really uh, impactful in, in that interaction. And that's not specific necessarily, you know, with a physician or a clinician, but it's informed and, you know, by a clinician or by a researcher, whatever it happens to be. 
right? So, so that's, you know, kind of step one. Step two is as we aspire to get a person-enabled health and wellness, um, putting more information uh, and not just information, but insight into a patient's hands to make better, to take more control over, over their health and well-being and decisions uh, supporting that, the better off you're going to be. So, you know, instead of just putting out a, a, a visit summary into your patient portal, what if you had AI take a look at that uh, after summary report, what was recommended, diagnosed, correlated with other information based on, you know, potentially nutrition or an exercise regimen or whatever it happens to be, that they can interact again through the chatbot potentially with that and get this further insight and information into their health and well-being versus just what happened and here's a summary of what happened, right? So that's kind of the future, I think, of, of patient interaction with health systems you know, going forward. All right. We just spent a, a good amount of time talking about the benefits and we teased it. You know, we're going to talk about some of the limitations. So one of AI's limitations, uh, which is explored in the healthcare executive feature is insufficient data. Let's talk about that for a minute. Specifically, how can it lead to data biases, which can make, and you just talked about it earlier, achieving health equity a challenge? Yeah. So there are two parts to this problem. One is limited data sets, right? So um, if you're only utilizing the data within your EMR or EHR, then you are limiting the scope of your decision-making to that population, meaning that you are unintentionally introducing bias when you're making equity decisions or you know, clinical decisions in general. It might be, uh, or it, it's, it's uh, pertinent to that particular population but not necessarily to the community you're serving, to the state, to the country, whatever it happens to be, right? Because you're not taking into consideration uh, the rest of the data. The other part of that is um, data quality, right? So there is a Medicaid uh, survey that I saw that um, showed that in terms of data definitions for basic things such as race and ethnicity, uh, very widely by system. You know, depending on you know state requirements or you know, whatever it happens to be, this makes it difficult to correlate data uh, among these systems when you have different definitions for things, and it limits the granularity at which you can measure the impact of you know treatment modalities. And so, without that standardized definition or data quality, you know, the other thing about the EMR is it you know it historically was designed to capture clinical information. In order to make decisions for health equity, you need to include a vast array of data that doesn't exist in the EMR. Things on mental health, social determinants of health, environmental variables, demographics. And uh, you know, systems are, are starting to take a look at that more and more and incorporate those, but we're still a long ways away from being able to aggregate and map and standardize that data to use on a broader scale. And so that is kind of the challenge that we have with healthcare data as it sits today. And it's, un, you know, a lot of it's unintentional. No, no system that I'm aware of goes out there and says, you know, I'm going to, you know, create these biases in my patient care uh, modalities. It's just they're analyzing the limited set of data that they have. And based on that, this is, you know, the algorithms or the, the, the treatment plans that they, they've come up with. So um, one, the first thing is awareness, right? Just being aware of that fact. You know, there's also biases, inherent biases that we need to, again, just be aware of. 
understand our data and the limitations of it and understand what we need to augment our data with to be able to be make better informed decisions. And that's really kind of at the heart of you know, how to help address health uh, equity. And that's not just about access. You know, I mean, uh, COVID shone a bright light on, on the disparities in uh, mortality rates for uh, non-white populations almost being twice as much for COVID. And so, I mean, that's a pretty big outcome for, for those populations. So I think that's kind of why we're starting to see a pivot uh, in the healthcare industry to help address you know, health equity. So in, in, insufficient data, one thing. Uh, how about governance? Where are healthcare organizations at in relation to AI use? And then, you know, in your opinion, when do you think we might have some clarity? No, that's, that's a good question. So governance, you know, around clinical care uh, has come a long ways and it's fairly mature as evidenced by, you know, how we measure governance in our maturity models. In terms of AI, we're at the very early stages of infancy. Most organizations do not have governance specific or addressing AI, even though that they're they're currently using AI in some form or other through you know third parties, through you know your Optimus, Premiers, uh, other vendors that are utilizing AI. And again, having you know the awareness of the need for governance for AI. And I, you know, I think that there needs to be some sort of regulatory framework that systems can adopt in order to help progress governance in this area. In the absence of that universal framework, whether that comes from the industry or from uh, government bodies, where, whatever it happens to be, there are key pieces that organizations need to be mindful of and either address through some sort of governance body that I, I think are critical or important. These include aligning organizations, compliance, and legal programs to incorporate AI, right? What happens, you know, if AI makes a, a particular diagnosis or a treatment recommendation, who's liable for that? You know, what are the legal basis for, for <clears throat> those AI decisions and decision support, right? One of the biggest impediments to adoption of AI in healthcare is trust, right? Either trust from the patient perspective or trust from the clinician perspective. AI typically uh, is viewed as a black box. Um, and without that trust, and to get to trust, I'll talk about that in a second, it's going to be a challenge to drive adoption, utilization, measure performance, and so forth. So having an eye on fostering patient and provider trust in AI is one of these governance things uh, that I think is critical. Build in processes and protocols to ensure transparency to help build trust. Establish definitions and a enterprise-wide strategy for AI versus, oh, we're going to use AI for just this one particular project. Or, you know, I didn't know we were using AI across all these different areas of, you know, our, our care continuum. Having a defined and you know strategic view of AI is critical for again uh, not only implementing and adopting AI but getting the benefits of AI. Establish principles and criteria for maintaining the integrity, privacy, security, non-discriminatory, non-discriminatory nature or data that supports AI. Identify and address ethical and social uh, responsibility concerns. And then, you know, one thing, uh, you know, that we've done in IT for specific assets 
is a life cycle management program. We need the same for AI, things that include development, testing, monitoring, and adjusting. Algorithms in AI over time change with the data underneath. And so as you're incorporating more data or more patients, the algorithms will change. And if you don't monitor that performance, the fit of those algorithms starts to deteriorate over time, therefore producing poorer results and poorer predictions and outcomes. So if you don't have that in place, then you're you know, limiting the impact of AI and potentially uh, leading to some adverse errors or concerns uh, in the future. So, so that's, that's kind of my, in a nutshell, my deal on, on government. And you were just talking about a glimpse into the future. You've given us a nice kind of picture there. How about you take us 10 years into the future? Let's talk. It's 2032. How are hospitals and health systems using AI in 2032? Yeah, so that's, you know, obviously looking at the crystal ball is is a hard thing to do. But I think on the path that we're currently on, there are three themes that I see where AI is going to be more embedded and ingrained. One is it's going to power predictive care. Healthcare systems, you know, so one of the biggest challenges in healthcare that we face today is that uh, 75%, I think the last statistics I saw from like in 2020, of uh, patient, patient outcomes and, uh, or uh, patient uh, costs are attributed to chronic disease. So uh, I think in the future, healthcare systems can better predict when a person is at risk for developing chronic disease and preventing them from moving into that top tier of, of care needed. And so incorporating more social determinants of health and AI means we might be able to turn the tide on you know, our you know, ballooning uh, populations of diabetes, congestive heart failure, COPD um, in the future, right? This is a, a, a war that we've been fighting, uh, losing war uh, in the short term. But I think that's where AI can really help us turn the tide from not necessarily, you know, so I think in two ways. One is managing more effectively the care of chronic disease, but then preventing uh, a whole host of people from moving up into that top tier of, of uh, costly care. And so if we can do that, that that's going to be huge, uh, you know, from a funding perspective, from a outcomes perspective, quality of life, and all sorts of things. So that's one. Two is location independence. As our population becomes more digitally connected, uh, location will not matter as much as it does today. Meaning, hospitals will focus, will refocus their care on more acute and highly complex conditions, while less complex or urgent care will be provided in other avenues, whether that's virtual care, whether that's through retail you know, centers, surgery centers, et cetera, whatever you know, it's going to be. This is kind of that network care approach. In order for this to be successful, AI has to be at the center of that because it focuses on the health and well-being of patients, but it's dependent on connecting all of this into a single digital infrastructure and then coordinating that care across that infrastructure. And so, I mean, we're starting to see this during this pandemic with the explosion of telehealth. Now we're starting to see more acute services being provided in the virtual hospital at home model. Starting to see, I mean, we've seen the expansion of uh, you know outpatient care provided by retail clinics, the CVS, uh, you know, uh, Walmart, uh, you know, so and so forth. 
And so how do you connect all of that together to provide patient care at where the patient is versus having them travel potentially hundreds of miles to a facility to receive that care? So along with this concept of network care, there will be a proliferation, and, and we've started to see some of this, of medical devices and even robots in the future that will enhance care and provide data back into the system. So again, that digital infrastructure has to exist to be able to take all of these factors into consideration. And it's, AI is critical because it helps identify patients at risk in that continuum, monitor supply and demand, improve efficiency and effectiveness of care, utilization of those resources, you know, all of that in that network care model versus what we've had traditionally, even today. Today, we have kind of the hub and spoke where we have the uh, hospital you know, uh, at the center of this model connected by all of these uh, regional uh, clinics that feed into that kind of acute center. That's kind of a step in the right direction, but I think as consumers are reshaping other industries, they're going to reshape healthcare as well. And they're going to want care at where they are, whether that's, you know, whatever channel that they uh, potentially choose. But again, in order to coordinate all of that, we have to be able to, it, it adds a lot of complexity that we have to manage and data. Again, healthcare has become kind of a data industry with the advent of EMR, EHR. How do we correlate, aggregate, and personalize care based on, on all that data that we are now collecting. And then the third uh, piece is uh, inexperience, um, right? So patient and, uh, and clinician experience. There's a study that uh, the MHS did that uh, shows that uh, there's a clear link between patient experience and health outcomes. You know, uh, one of the kind of, I don't wanna say unsung, but uh, one of the areas that hasn't been, in my opinion, delved into as deeply as it should is you know, patient experience. And patient experience is tightly correlated to clinician experience. Experience is improved when people have more control over their care and ability to make more informed and better decisions about their care. If a staff is well cared for, it has a positive impact on patient experience. And conversely, if a patient has a poor experience, it negatively impacts staff experience. So these are kind of intertwined. AI in this network kind of care model uh, will be able to help reduce wait time, automate and improve uh, administrative tasks in clinician workflows, put more health insights into patients' hands. And all of this will help with burnout, clinician and patient satisfaction, thereby supporting better patient outcomes, clinician well-being, all of that. And so I think that's another area. I mean, you know, as we're dealing with burnout and turnover today worldwide, in large part again due to the pandemic, but just the demands uh, on healthcare, I mean, something's got to change. And that's an area that we really need to, to focus on. And I see in 10 years, uh, hopefully, continuing to better again due to AI. Julius, in addition to, uh, I guess, listening to this specific episode of the podcast, what advice would you give a healthcare leader uh, who, who's really thinking about incorporating AI in some fashion? Like, what's the starting point? Where should they begin? Yeah, so the first thing is to really understand that AI is not a silver bullet in any industry, uh, much less healthcare. And it's actually even kind of further behind the times in healthcare than some other industries. 
you really need to have a good use case or set of use cases that AI can help with in order to, to start kind of uh, looking at AI. It's not a peanut butter approach where, well, we'll just bring AI in and it's going to help us solve uh, X number of problems. That's not how it works. If you have specific problems that AI is you know, uh, tailor-made for, automation, clinical decision support, for example, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of EMR vendors are implementing algorithms to help improve bed turnover capacity or manage readmission rates or improve, you know, early sepsis detection. You know, those are the things that AI is, you know, uh, really good at. And I think that's a good starting place to take a look at. Do those maps to the key initiative of my organization? And, you know, how do we bring that in? Higher resources and experience with AI you know, as much as, you know, AI is relatively uh, new, there is you know, obviously a uh, lack of, you know, AI understanding and, and knowledge and resources. Hiring a, a good team or resources to help with that journey is, is critical. AI is heavily dependent on, on data. If you do not have a solid data foundation, then your AI projects and, and, uh, are, are almost destined to fail. So make sure you have a good data foundation in terms of architecture, integration, data governance. These are all foundational pieces that you need to have in place before you even you know, decide to take on uh, AI. The other key thing is AI historically in healthcare has come up through uh, the IT organization. A lot of early AI initiatives failed because they had an IT lens they didn't have the clinical or operation or business support needed to, to, to be successful. When you are looking at AI as a solution to a problem that you're having, make sure you have the relevant buy-in from those key stakeholders. If it's clini a clinical decision support problem that you're trying to tackle, make sure you have clinical buy-in on how you're looking to help address this with AI. If it's finance, if you know, you know, you're trying to improve your rep cycle operations, make sure you have rep cycle leadership or finance leadership, you know, buy-in uh, before you, you know, implement an AI solution. And so those are kind of the parting thoughts, so to speak, on how to get started with AI and things to kind of look, look out for. So Julius, one last question, and we do this when we have an ACHE member on the podcast. Uh, we want to know how the organization has impacted uh, your journey. How has ACHE helped you along your career path? When I made the pivot into healthcare, ACHE was uh, one of the first things that I joined. And it's been a great resource for learning about relevant healthcare topics, networking with healthcare executives. And I presented at multiple symposiums, ideas and paradigms, uh, and gotten feedback on those to help inform my views on things. It's really helped me develop a more holistic, be a more holistic healthcare leader and diversify my views. Um, that's really the value that I found in, in ACHE and continue to, to, to partner and um, engage with ACHE. Well, fantastic. Julius Bogdan is Vice President, General Manager of the Digital Health Advisory Team for North America at Hims. Uh, Julius, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, it, was a, it was a pleasure speaking to your audience. Yeah, and ACHE members, uh, speaking of the audience, remember you can read more about this topic in the September-October issue of Healthcare Executive Magazine. 
and the feature story, True Intelligence, where AI is working today. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Healthcare Executive Podcast from ACHE. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ACHE.org. dot